0: feeling on the church was when we started that time would go quick, and it has. We're going into year three, people. We're going into year three. Most churches shut the doors before the end of year one. I'm just being real with y'all, but we didn't get in this for a quick high. We got in this to change lives for the rest of our existence. This was our mission to reach people, and so we don't gauge it on what other churches do. We just say, God, keep, keep bringing more keep giving us more mission, and we'll keep delivering the word, God, and he'll give the increase. So th- those videos, I get a little choked up watching them because it's just, it reminds me of the journey. And if you take away the journey, you take away the root of what you're doing. If you're only focused on the goal in anything you do, you'll miss the rooting of all the details in the journey, and that's what changes you. It's not the end result. It's the journey, and I can tell you from experience of always trying to fast-forward life that if you always focus on the end, your kids will be grown, and you'll look back and go, where was my time with them? Because I was focused on the end result. So wisdom has said, slow your roll, embrace the moments, absorb every detail, because they are here today and gone tomorrow, and God wants you to make the most of your life on this earth. Your plan on this earth, your mission that God designed specifically for you, not me, your plan, your plan, your plan. Discover God's perfect plan made just for you. That is our vision statement because we believe that is what's going to multiply His house, is that people come into fruition with what God's will is for their specific plan to glorify Him. And when we bring that in through synergy, the sum of the parts together is greater than the individual output. We believe. We're going to blow the roof off the place. That's what we mean when we say that. And we believe it. And so that makes us get up week after week and do it time and again, sick or not sick, snotty nose or no snotty nose, voice or no voice, sound system or no sound system. As long as there is a Jesus in the middle, we're good. The rest is just the cherry on the cake. But you don't got good bread in your cake. It's just icing and that gets old quick, right? So we're building something, we're believing for a strong 2020, and I'm not good with secrets. And I just got to tell y'all who aren't here on the snow day, we've got a digital billboard going up right there in front of the theater tomorrow. Do y'all even know what I'm saying? This is a digital billboard. You're going to see red one seat from like 200 feet on the freeway in the dark. What is that red obnoxious sign? It's our sign saying we're right there. And there's an arrow. And then we got another billboard, Clint. Oh, we got two. And that one, that one only goes till February because you know we're on a budget. But this one's even better because it just keeps going. And right now it's on Wing uh T- Technology Boulevard headed towards Winghaven. Tomorrow also is a traditional one-seat church billboard that says one seat church, O'Fallon Regal Theater, oneseatchurch.org. That's where we meet. Winghaven and Highway Four. You can see it from Chesterfield. That's how big it is. No, I'm just, I'm so excited. Can you tell? It's tomorrow and I'm like, come on, already. I'm ready. Want to get out there? You're going to see videos? I'm going I'm to milk it up, baby, because that's what we do. We take any ounce we can get and we shove it in people's face to see this is what we're doing. You want to come be a part of this. This is not a passive thing. This is an aggressive mission for God. So when I'm out there, I'm going, yeah, look at this. Woo, I see church. Yes, come on. I'm getting excited because I mean it. So that's what I'm going to do. Just heads up. If you're on social media, I'm not crazy. I am planning to do that tomorrow. It better go up tomorrow or I'm going to have to call the uh, people. Why isn't our sign up? Anyway, I digress because I'm pumped. I want to give you my passage this morning. Y'all heard about the Exodus. You've heard about the Red Sea and the parting of the Red Sea, and it's a pretty story, but what happens if you were there? We're going to talk about that for a minute before I give you my subject. If we go to Exodus chapter 14, excuse me, I still got a little bit of remnants of being a little bit infectious last week. I think people, I scared some people off last week because of my germs, and they think it's like a two-week thing, and they didn't know they could come today, but next week they'll realize I'm germ-free, and they'll be back. Praise God. Exodus chapter 14, verse 15 through 31. This is the exodus, the exit out of Egyptian captivity. It says, and the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? I love God, how he talks. Why are you crying, Moses? Do you forget? Who I am. Tell the children of Israel to go forward. This is when they've come up on the Red Sea and they're, they're, they're trapped. There's a barrier and there's nowhere to go. And there's some some angry Egyptians coming after them with some weapons, and they're about to get it, and they're saying, What do we do, God? We're trapped. And God says, Why do you cry to me? Tell the, the children of Israel to go forward. Just go forward. Well, there's a Red Sea there. He says, "But lift up your rod, you know the stick, the the the. I think if it was Christmas time, it would have been one of those big soft mint sticks. You know the kind you could eat when you're done. It looks like a rod. It's a it's a red and white soft malt mint stick. I think that's what it would have been. Maybe not. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, Moses. It's no biggie. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea." And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Not those pagan gods. I am the Lord. Touch your neighbor, tell them, I am the Lord. There is one God. There is none beside me. He said, they will know that I am the Lord. When I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen, and the God who went and the angel of God, who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So there was this cloud between them and those chasing them. And it was a divider and a leader that God used to lead them and to distract the others. So I lost my place. So it came between the camp of Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was the cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light to the Israelites and night to the Egyptians, so that one did not come near the other all that night. They didn't really know they were maybe close than they, closer than they thought. Verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided. I mean, can you imagine? Have you seen, like, the river? Have you driven over the river? And, like, you know, do you ever get the creepy thoughts like me? Like, oh, what if my car went over the rail or something? What would I do? Would I I remember to roll the windows down and not try to open the door? Because they say if you want to get out alive, Navy people, you can probably help me here, that you roll down the windows to escape. And I'm just thinking all these awful thoughts. Nobody else gets awful thoughts? I'm the only one who gets awful thoughts? Anybody ever get bad thoughts? Thank you. Somebody gets a bad thought besides me. Wow, we're full of bad thoughts in here. This is great. This is what I want in church. It's perfect. But can you imagine looking at the sea? It didn't say a river. It said a sea. Sea is like bigger, wider. And then all of a sudden, the waters part, and I can see the bottom and some some dead carp that nobody wanted from the Lake of the Ozarks because they're too bony anyway. And I see some catfish that I might snag up though because those are good eating and I get them when they're fresh, you know, and I just see all this stuff i never seen before because I'm in this position I've never been in before. This is not familiar to my senses. I don't know how to make sense of something that God does. But that's what he did. He said, reach out your hand with your rod, And he made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the middle of the sea on the dry ground. And the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and their left. This is even more freaky to me. That not only were they in the middle, but there was a water wall on both sides of them. Like, what if that thing gets a crack in it? We know how the dam goes when the the river floods down in Chesterfield. That levee, we know how the levee does. It's, It's not perfect. So if this the water's there and no, no wall, I'm feeling a little trapped, a little claustrophobic, a little fearful in my faith at that moment. And there was a water of wall, a wall water, water wall on both sides of them. That's a tongue tire. Verse 23, and the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots. And his horsemen, so now they're all in there too, and now it came to pass in the morning, watch, that the Lord looked upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the armies of the Egyptians. He, like, distracted them, and he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty, like he gave them some flat tires if they had air in the tires, and the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians you see the opposition knows who it's fighting against and so when you feel the pressure to continue down God's path the enemy knows it and he's going to try to distract you to do something different out of fear so even the devils know that Jesus Christ is king even though they don't serve him is that making is that connecting with y'all You see, the Egyptians knew that God was serving Israel and no one else. And so they're like, we better get off this ship because these water walls are about to come down. So as they were all in there, God troubled their wheels. He took off the wheels. The Egyptians panicked. Verse 26, it says, then the Lord said to Moses, now. You're out, stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when the morning appeared, the sea returned. Everybody say it returned to its full depth into it, uh, while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, not so much as one of them remained. He got them all. None of them got out. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore like the dead fish. They just, so they started drifting up the shore. The Egyptians started floating up to shore. Verse 31 says, thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord. They believed the Lord for what they saw and his servant Moses. And they got a little scared too. My subject today, which I think is fitting for year end, when New Year's resolutions are coming, is breaking barriers. Breaking barriers. See, the, the Israelites were at a barrier, and they didn't know what to do, even though God was giving them the answer right then. He said, just go through it. Part the waters. Walk by faith, Peter. Step on the water. If I say you can walk on the water, get out on the water. Moses, extend your rod, part the seas, and walk through it. Because I touched that stick. But how many of you feel today like plateaued, barrierized? You're hitting these little barriers that are like big enough to stop you from moving forward. It's not necessarily a red sea to how you see it, but it's not how you see it that matters. It's what it is, and if it's affecting you in a toxic way and you don't recognize the barrier, or how to handle it. I often feel up against little barriers. It's like there's something blocking you from getting to where you really want to be, where you really want to go. It just feels like every time things get in a rhythm, something happens to block your progress and leaves you feeling like you can never escape what's holding you back. Something's got a grip on you. There's a barrier. And the thing about barriers is they are actually often a blessing because they can be painful, but it's important to see what they really are, a challenge to change. And if you're never faced with a barrier, you're never going to change. If you're never faced with a challenge, you're never going to change. You're going to keep on skipping church like you always have. No, none of you guys here. You get, Come on, that's a joke. You guys can laugh. This is a joke. I don't mean it. I don't mean it. <laughs> Forgive me. You're going to keep on doing the same things because it's what's familiar. And so when a man gets desperate enough for change, he's going to jump into the sea that God said depart. He's going to quit walking back to Egypt over and over and over and over. And he's going to quit walking around that mountain over and over. And when are we going to find the promised land? Let's just go die in Egypt over over. But they can be a blessing because what they really are is a challenge for change. And when something is challenging, there's opportunity to learn from it and handle it in a new way. A new way. A way that we possibly missed last time around. That we did it the same way. The way we knew by instinct. The reactive way instead of the logical, thought-provoked, strategic new way. And God often will draw from these moments of adversity, these moments of transition, not because he desires that we suffer, but because those are the moments we remember to fully call on him. It's not like he's saying, you got to suffer to be blessed. He's saying, you people are so hard-headed. Pastor, you're so hard-headed. In order to recognize what I've already blessed you with, I got to put you in a place that you don't forget about me, that you remember me. And I wrote a song years ago called Sunny Days, and the and the chorus was, see if I can remember it, I always freak my own lyrics. Nick, I know I know this is on your t- your iPhone right now, Nick, you're just jamming it on the way home from church. I know it, Nick. It says, I got to get up on that train, because I can hear it coming. It grows louder every time it rains. Sunny days, how the sound of it coming. You get it? You see, it's all good, we're at the beach all the time, we forget about God, but when the rain comes, when I'm in the hospital, I start remembering that I'm human. When things aren't working, when, when my relationships aren't working, when my friends aren't, aren't what they said they'd be, when the people that should be there the deepest and the closest left you, you start going, this, I don't know if I can part this, I don't know if I can go through this, because I trust God, but am I really going to walk by faith? And that's what Moses did, It's human instinct. And the barriers in our life may be self-induced. Not always. Sometimes, I'm just being real with y'all, as well as we have a tendency to repeat those old ways that stifle new opportunities for change and growth. And what may look like a Red Sea to some, maybe just a... Caribbean to another. See everybody's threshold for barriers is a different tolerance. And so that's why you don't want to compare to somebody else. This is about you and your growth with God's plan for you. And if you compare it to how another church grew, and if you compare it to how another pastor did, and if you compare it to how another volunteer did it, and how how another drummer did it, and how and how and how another 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 whatever did it, you're going to always come up short. Because it's not about them. It's about you and God. Your plan for you is specific to you. It's your n- unique identity. Just like the number of hairs on your head, he knows. Just like what he wants for you specifically. It matters. It's not a game. It's a great life. But God wants you to embrace the life. It's a life. It's not a moment. And it's a great Life to serve God in a way that's new instead of going back to Egypt. It's it's a change, and it's unfamiliar. And unfamiliar brings discomfort. God wants to stretch you like a baby in the womb. That stretching is what makes that baby grow and eventually born something new. Your barrier is an opportunity to break through to something new. And despite what causes it, when they can't be avoided because you're going to run into barriers, no matter how blessed your life is, you are going to face some things. How do we break through them? How do we break through them? Barriers that make you feel trapped are how God positions your escape. When you feel like there's no one else, I can't fix it, That's when God really can give you an escape. When Moses was standing at the sea and said, okay, I can't go any further with or without this cloud. Great. Thanks for the cloud. But what do I do when there's men with spears and AR-15s chasing me on some horses? What do I do with this sea? God, okay. I'm all ears now, God. I'm all ears now that I have cancer. I'm all ears now that my marriage is ruined. I'm all ears now that I've ran off everybody in my life because of hatred. And though I was at church every week, I was so nasty to people that no one likes me. That's the worst. None of y'all, we're blessed. We don't have people like that. But there's there's things. Everybody has a different hang-up and different issue, and it's it's... It's, it's that moment when we come to Jesus, so to speak. It's a come-to-Jesus moment, like, okay, I'm really broken at this point. I've got to do it differently. There's no option. It's what I have to do. There's no plan B. And when you get to that step, you will walk through the Red Sea if you trust God and if you obey God. He told Moses what to do. He didn't part the waters for Moses. What he did was he anointed what he told Moses to do. So, yes, just like when, we are, when a little kid is doing something for God, God's really behind him pulling the strings. But he gives the person free will. And so he had Moses reach out his hand and part the sea. God wants us to be active in our belief with him. He wants us to be active in our faith with him. He doesn't want us to just live by grace and watch him do everything. He does things through you. He does it through you and you and you, and he can't do his will without us. We are the body of Christ post-resurrection. He ascends, we take over the book of Acts. That's what it is. And so when that, when, that, when that becomes real in your heart and you recognize that you have a living, eternal, omnipotent God inside of you who cannot be defeated by any spear or javelin, you will just walk up to that Red Sea and say, I'm coming through. Move, water walls. You'll just walk through it, and then you'll believe, and you may get a little freaked out because the walls actually did it, and I don't know how to make sense of that, but God said he'd do it, and if the Lord is with me, who can be against me? Barriers that make you feel trapped are how God will position your escape, not you. God will position your escape. Oh, I'm fired up. I'm running long. That's a good thing, right? snap. I shouldn't have played that video today because I got a lot in me. Is that all right? I got something in. Can I give it to y'all? Is that all right? This is more than just like a, a mechanic thing, right? Like this is the Word of God, right? Like we, we, we like this. It's good. good. It's good. It's like, uh, it's just a stick, okay? Moses was like, it's just a stick. See, we doubt God in that, that place of uh, make or break. It's just, now it's a stick. It's not the will of God to part the sea. It's just a stick, and it can't do anything when I really have a problem. It's only good in communication with somebody else. When I'm telling everybody at church how great God is and he can do anything, and then, then when it comes time to actually use that stick, I'm like, well, it's just a stick. Oh, we're not there yet. We're not, We're early. We're early. We can reduce, reduce his omnipotence of God down to just a stick in our hand. We just, we just took God out of the equation down to the omnipotence of him, down to a stick in our hand because of doubt, because of unbelief. God wants you to believe on a, like, like an audacious faith that is so great that it's absurd to your neighbor. And yeah, they may look at you funny, but who cares? Because eventually they're going to follow when they see you mean it, you believe it. You walk the walk that backs up the talk. It matches. That's weird. I'm so used to fake people. I thought they're just a stick and we just talk about it. But I didn't know they used that thing when the waters need to part. They believe it and they walk through red seas. I want that kind of faith. I mean, if you're going to do it, you might as well believe it's going to work for you. Because if you don't believe it's going to work for you, it's not going to work for you. Because God gives us a choice. And so when you believe it's just a stick, or you say this is the rod of God that he has touched, and what God has touched, no man can take away. No matter what they say, no matter how many statistics say it can't be done, if God touched it, it can't fail. It's more than a stick at Christmas that you eat, cinnamon, whatever, peppermint stick. It's more than that. It's the rod of God, and it tastes good, if you like that kind of thing. But believing for the impossible is hard to do when you come across a real barrier, a real barrier like a red sea. It's like for me, I have this thing with plateaus. It's like I, I, I I'm. I'm a, what do I say? How my, how would my wife describe me? I always got ants in my pants. Uh, um, I'm, I'm always, I'm always pacing around the house because there's like, I got to do something. It's like, well, what's wrong with me? It's because I I have this habit of sitting on plateaus. I don't like plateaus. So if it's, if everything gets really good, Nate knows, I just got to change something just to keep it interesting. He knows that because, because I, I see it as breakthrough opportunity that it's never, it's never enough. It's okay to, to be grateful, but if there's a way to improve, we want to break plateaus. We don't want to stay the change, stay the same. We want to grow. We got a big vision and we want to grow. And a healthy church is a growing church. And so we believe we got to grow because it is the will of God to grow. Because no man should be left void without the word in his heart. That is our mission. So we believe in breaking plateaus, which are just something I I look at as a barrier on a day-to-day. I do it with everything. It's It's kind of bittersweet. And if it, if it gets the best of you, it can bring you down and let you forget your blessings sometimes. But if you look at them for what they are, they're opportunities to let God provide a way out. It's an opportunity. It's more than a stick. Knowing he is able, God is able. Hey, friend, God is able. Knowing he is able but not believing he actually desires to bless your life is two different things. Knowing he is omnipotent and almighty God but not following Jesus are two different things things, and you could be staring right at the face of the Red Sea. You know what they thought, you know, the Israelites, when Moses was about to part that thing and tell them, you think they were on board with what he was going to (laughs) do? Heck no. You think think he's like, yeah, Moses, I think that's a good idea. You've got a stick. It makes sense. Let's part the waters. They're like, let me out of here. Kill me fast. Don't drown me in some blood kill me, just take me back, let them chop my head off, at least it'll be quick and painless. They doubted Moses, but Moses had to stick with the man, God, the only one, the eternal, the only one who had the mission, because if he let them deter him, the whole sick ship sink. It was a dumb stick to them, it was even a stick to him, until he remembered the mission So he did what God said in the face of opposition. And what happened? They escaped. They broke through. That feeling trapped by fear. But there's something about fear. Not to quote the great Rocky Balboa, but to quote Rocky Balboa, keep it really anointed here, guys. We've been watching all the Rockies. See, fear is like Frankie fear. It's a good thing. That's all I remember. But fear makes you fight. That's what he said. Something like that. Frankie, fear. Fear is your friend. When I fear the Lord in a way to know he is greater than myself, that I am doomed without him, like I fear my father, even though I know how much he loves me, when I fear knowing that without him, I'm dead in the waters. That's, the, that's a reverent fear. That's the, the, the beginning of, that's the beginning of wisdom right there, that kind of fear. I'm not scared he's going to spank me. I'm scared that I'm going to be dead without him. And so that's the kind of fear I have, that I know that he is my Savior. And so that's the kind of fear that makes you do things because you know that without him, You're going to drown anyway. You're going to be javelined anyway. They're going to open up those ARs on you anyway, straight out of Egypt, straight out of Compton. Pick your poison. At least with God, you got a fighting chance. Otherwise, you're committing suicide spiritually. Don't go back to what's familiar. Break through that barrier. Break through it. I think this is what caught me so much about this sermon, I mean, this message, this passage, golly, lingering night is the water walls. It says in verse 22, so the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall. Now, I don't think it was like three foot. I'm thinking like a wall. Like, look at this room and pretend that that's water, and that's water. And yeah, it's getting a little freaky now, and I'm walking through this thing, and and I was surrounded by water walls, and I can't see anything but the barrier that I am in the middle of. I can't see the end. I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I can't see where I came from. I am in the middle of it. I am trapped between these water walls. And before God delivers you through, he wants you to see where you are. He wants you to see where you are in your life, and how you may be stuck in between the water walls. You may be stuck when he's saying, go through it. Quit sitting in it. You're living in it. And I want you in it for a season so you remember, but then I'm going to provide a way through it so you can escape. I don't want you to live in it forever. But that's when you recognize who God is in your life, is when you're in the middle of that hot mess. You're in the middle of that wall. Nothing else can be seen. He wants you to notice that place because that's where the change actually happens. The change doesn't happen when I skip over the walls to the finish line. The change happens when I walk through the walls. Anybody ever seen the never ending story? Atreyu, the luck, he's a luck dragon. Remember that guy? I was obsessed. I wanted to be Atreyu when I was a kid. You remember, you remember the two statues? I won't say how they dressed. Oh, they didn't have any clothes on. That wasn't good. I was like eight. I shouldn't have been watching this movie. But the two statues that were, if you walked through, what'd they do? Zap. Turned you into dust. But Atreyu knew he had to go through the two towers. I don't remember what they are called. And everybody that attempted to go through. Mom, you remember the, remember the never-ending story? We had them on VHS cassettes tapes. You know, we'd rent them and then we'd copy them. You know, we we would we would we would give them back. We would never take a copy. That would be that'd be unfaithful to to Blockbuster or movies to go or whatever it was back then. And and so 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 a tray you knew. See, I got issues, I, I ramble. That's what preachers do, that's why it makes it interesting. You keep it interesting, it keeps you awake. It keeps you awake if you make no sense sometimes and bring them back on the course to get back to the point. The point is that when you're walking through, a tray you knew that if he stopped like everybody else, he was gonna be zapped. If he hesitated was the thing. So guess what he did? He ran. And ran and ran and never stopped running till he got through the gates that were about to zap him. Y'all remember Tim? You remember that? I know you remember that. See, if he hesitated and looked at those things and got too caught up in the in the being overcome by these walls, when God said, "I'll bring you through it," they can keep you there. And God doesn't want you to stay there. Don't be intimidated by the walls. When God's the one who parted the water, that's why you know you can get through it. If He parted it, you can go through it. It's not, it's not forever. It's not forever that you feel like this. It's not forever that you're crying on your pillow at night because of what they did. It's just for a season, and you're working your way through. But don't stop moving through the water walls. Barriers that make you feel that trap are how God positions your escape. There's healing between the walls. Touch your neighbor tell them it's between the walls. It's between the walls. That journey is so greater than the finish line. The finish line is the fruits of the journey. The mega church would mean nothing if we didn't get to show the blood, sweat, and tears in the process to get there, you know? Plus, we couldn't support it. God has to take you through the sea to get you to understand how to get through the sea. Trust the journey. Embrace the barrier. God will provide a way through it in whatever you're facing today. And finally, the truth of the matter is, it's not like Moses was smart and he's like, I got it, God. Thank you for enlightening me. The truth is, God is looking out for you whether you want him to or not. He's looking out for the Israelites whether they understood or not, whether they were faithful or not. He kept being their God. And he wants to keep being your God whether you've fallen or not, whether you've been faithful or not, whether you've loved him back or not, he's still Loved you the same. He's saving you. Oh, I don't know if you can handle this. He's saving me. He's saving you. And he's saving you from you. My kids, when they're two, they don't have any fear that they can't just run down the flight of steps face first. Otherwise, they end up with a scar like me when I was three doing the tricycle thinking that's a good idea. I'll ride it down the wood steps on Christmas Eve. Hence, hospital scar um, stitches. They don't know. We don't know better. We're people, and that's why we grow in our understanding of our walk with God. We were meant to grow, and if we don't face anything, we can't be challenged to change. So, if we don't go through some stuff, that we can look back and go, God, look what He's done. Look at 2019. Look at what he's actually done. Look at the good times. Look at the bad times. Look at the change. And look at the victories we've had at One Seed Church. Look at the victories I've had in my life. I I know so many of you right now could testify to that, that if you look back to last November and you say, look at me then, look at me now, wow. Can I get an amen for that? Is that true to somebody? Has there been some change in someone's life? in the last year, that God has changed your life in a way that's taken you somewhere you've never been. But you had to face the sea, man. You had to face the sea. He was saving you from you. He was saving me from me. Maybe God is rescuing me from my flesh. When he died on the cross, he knew before I did something stupid that I was going to need him anyway. And maybe he was rescuing me from my flesh before I even knew that I was killing myself. Does that make sense? That's a love you can't buy. That's a love you can't get at holiday time with the sausage and the mustard and the the cute things. You can't get that kind of love from nobody except a heavenly father. A father that loves you deeper than you can ever fathom or comprehend. And so when you feel that barrier and you feel trapped... God is positioning your escape. He's saving you from you. Let your dependency on Christ never diminish. Let it not just be when the weather's stormy. Let you remember that when you are at the best of times that you know who to give thanks to. That at the worst of times, like Stephen, you know how to give thanks to, that you praise when the rocks are hitting you in the face. Stephen, the apostle, was stoned to death, given praise as he took his last breath. That no matter what the situation, the praise stays the same. You with me? That's the kind of audacious faith that the world is lacking, that God still will provide to you if you are willing to impart and walk through that sea. Even in my good intentions, God is saving me all the time from destruction. Even in the new trailer, God saved me from death in a car wreck. At the best of times, I just thought of that. I don't like to talk about it too often, but I say it because here we were in August 2018, everything's good. Family's good. Everything's perfect. Day one, we pulled a new trailer. I got head-on collided, man. And just a couple feet was the difference between life or death. Because what I did was I was about to get hit, and I saw it coming, so I swerved, and I I hit a light pole. And because of the swerve, I hit it just to the right before my face would have gone straight into it. I went to the right. And so I preached a message on that. I don't know if you all remember, it was called the, the hand of God or the finger of God or something. And it's like, it wasn't like this abrupt thing that God said, let me move you and save you. He said like this. He just, he just waved me over. And I, I left there because I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I got the next thing I'm, like, I'm fine. I don't need this. I'm fine. But when my children saw me and they're crying and, and an old pastor friend of mine saw me and he starts crying, I think, what's wrong with these people? They think I'm not okay. See, you can think you're fine, but God says, you need me whether you know it or not. You need me. And even other people can see that you need your family, you need Jesus, and it's hardest for us to see it in ourselves what we need. So that's when we say thank you, God, for saving my silliness thinking and saving me from myself to think my money could protect me, to think my brains could protect me, to think my 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 reckless driving skills from teenage years could protect me, that there will come a moment where nothing can protect you except Jesus Christ, and it's so valuable that you all reach that in your journey so that you go, you know what, he used to preach that all the time, and I never really understood it, and I never understood why he got so excited, but now I get it because I felt God change my life and save my life, and now I get the zeal, now I get the excitement, now I get why it's 24-7 that this is not a show, this is a life. This is a life, Derek. This is a life for Jesus. And this is, this is so big that when you have this light bulb go off, God will change you in a way you've never seen. Okay, i got to quit preaching. Let's keep going. <laughs> but what I wanted to say in all that was, we're in his covenant as his church. When we become part of his body, through the new birth experience, we become in covenant with Christ, which means he's there when you want him. He's there when you're not. And he'll even save you when you don't deserve it. He's there to keep that umbrella over you. You need that. We all have to have it to survive in this world. If you all can stand with me, we're going to close this I thought I was all better and I was preaching so hard I could feel my voice going again. That's lingering whatever I had last week. But he is your provider and your protector even when you think you're doing it all. He's the one who moved the truck. If I had moved it, it may not have ended so well. Thank you, Jesus, for always being there. He wants you in covenant with him. He wants you in relationship with him. He wants you to quit waiting for tomorrow to lock hands with him. Quit waiting for tomorrow because tomorrow is no guarantee. I learned that. I learned that. I remember my dad said something like, man, that was almost the end of you. Something like that. And it was so like my dad, like, you know, just kind of to the point. And it was just so nonchalant. I thought in a blink, it could have been over. In a blink, this could all be gone. In a blink, your life's loves could be gone. In a blink, your family could be gone. In a blink, everything you live for could be taken from you. So take advantage of this time you have because tomorrow is no guarantee. And I can break through what I believe through in Jesus' name. If I believe through it, I will break through it, and I will walk through it by the hand of God that parts my sea. I will feel no water walls because God parted those waters once, and He will part them again. I may have had a good season and fell back in my old ways, but as long as I got air to breathe, I'm going to get up and run through that sea again. I'm not going to do it once. I'm going to do it every time. I'm going to embrace it every time. In this 2020, look at yourself and tell them, God has my breakthrough God has my breakthrough 2020 and I want to close with this psalm that we're going to read it together as a church we're going to go out of 2019 as one thing and we're going to come into 2020 as a new thing and we're going to look back at 2020 year in review Amanda and go who was that church last year I don't recognize them we bring God excellence. We bring him our best. We're not striving for mediocre. We already got that. We don't do this for mediocre. We want to give God our best. We bring the best. We bring our passion. We bring our gifts. We bring our talents. And if we do that together, church, we will shock the world. Psalm 23. Real quick. I want to read this together the church. If you can bring it down a minute. Say with me, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. Even when the walls are looking tall, they are still when he says, peace, be still. Verse 3, he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness. Not for my sake, for his name's name. Say